Let's invite our speaker for this morning. Lord Jesus, thank you that we are here to listen to your word. Thank you that you are here to speak to us. Father God, don't let anybody leave here without a blessing straight to the heart. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Do you have your notes? Do you have your notes? Notes look something like this. And uh, we also have two very important uh, uh, cards. One is one card that you use as a tool to communicate with us. Uh, something that you you want to do or you need, you let us know. Or which course you want to attend, which like said, if you've done fellowship, then go to the next one. If you've done discipleship, go to the next one. So sign up for that. At the back, you can tell us what you felt as you walked in. And this one is my story. So through the Miracle of Mercy series, there's got to be something that God is doing with you, in you, through you. There's got to be something that you are experiencing. Yes or no? Yes? And it's very good to just write it down and let me know about it. It's good to like write it down and let me know about it. Communicating with your pastor is very, very important. That culture is not there in our church. People just come and go. They, they leave the country, come back to the country, disappear for four weeks, five weeks, come back. And, and there doesn't seem to be the sense of we are doing something here together. When you disappear, it makes a difference. You know? So you need to uh, you, you come here. The second thing is to tell me what God is doing in your life. How is God moving? What is he saying to you? And if you give me permission, you see this little here, thing here, you give me permission to share, then I'll share it. If you don't give me permission, I'll take it to my grave with me. <laughs> okay, so use that, and if you have your notes, that we are beginning there. Jesus talked about mercy, and he talked about two sides of mercy. Going back to the, uh, to the Lord's Prayer, uh, he says, forgive us our sins as we forgive. Is that in your notes right on the top? Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Can you put me a little bit on the monitor here? Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. So, one is, I say, God, please forgive me. And the other one is, I say, I forgive you. The first side is, God, forgive me. The other side is, I forgive you. Remember the definition of mercy. What is the definition of mercy? It's there in your notes. Undeserved forgiveness and unearned kindness. I need that from God and others need it from me sometimes. I need it from God and others need it from me sometimes. There's a truth. That's the truth about forgiveness. Forgiveness is not just in the realm of God and me. Forgiveness is also in the realm of me and others. And today is going to be a painful day for you. <coughs> today, this next half an hour is going to be difficult for some of you. And you're going to go through some emotions and, and I'm going to ask God right now to give you strength to face it and not shut it down. It's going to be difficult, but you need to do it. This is good for you. This is good for you. The truth is the fact that mercy forgives. Mercy forgives. So how does this work? How does it apply? How do I apply it to other people? Let's get right into it. Two simple truths. Number one, Mercy means I forgive, sorry, mercy means God, God forgives me, and mercy means I forgive others. Did you get the two truths? Okay, those are your two big ones. And there's a slight glitch in your notes. The first point is actually the first truth, as well as one of four truths about the first point. So, just stick with me and it will make sense. The fact is that God forgives. And I don't want to spend so much time this morning on that aspect. I want to get to more about our forgiving other people because that's a lot we have to do. Uh, but the first one is the fact that God forgives. And that is the goodest news on the face of the earth. That's the best news on the face of the earth. There is no better news than the fact that God forgives. If I was to introduce you to a friend of mine and I said, please meet so-and-so, Mr. Abhishek. And Abhishek is not a forgiving person. He does not forgive. Do you want to meet him? Do you still want to get to know the guy? Straight away you decide, no, I don't want, I don't need him. Why do we do that? On the contrary, you come to a God who is a forgiving God, wants to forgive, and loves to forgive. The greatest news is that God is a forgiving God, and that He has forgiven. But here's the deal. It's not just a theological contract. It is a personal gift. God's forgiving of others is not God sitting on the throne in a might of day, in a, in a you know, kind of a mighty sweep of mercy across all these small human beings. He's just lavished mercy. It is a personal 
gift to each and every one of you. He knows you by name and he calls out mercy to you by name. Just like he said, go and tell the disciples and Peter. Go and tell the disciples and Peter. And three times over, he reinforced his love for Peter, reinforced his forgiveness to Peter. Number one, mercy means God forgives me. It is personal. So let me ask you a personal question. Do you feel forgiven? Don't, don't answer. But do you feel forgiven? Because most people I talk to, we don't say that we feel forgiven. In fact, we feel more guilty than forgiven. And that's the problem, see? Because you do say that you feel guilty. But if you do feel guilty, then you should also feel forgiven. You say, no, 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 no. Forgiveness is a, is a theological truth. And we should believe it in our hearts. We should know that we are forgiven. I only talk that all these years. And it's true. Yeah. But when I feel guilty, I run from God. If I feel forgiven, I will run to God. When I feel guilty, I make everybody else feel guilty. If I feel forgiven, I will feel like forgiving. Let's not, let's not fool ourselves. Bulk of what we do, we do on the basis of the fact that we feel like doing it or don't feel like doing it. Let's just be real. And the fact is that I feel it. I feel it. I feel forgiven or I don't feel forgiven. But the funny thing is that we don't go about saying that. I heard people say, today I feel very guilty. Well, you never catch a person saying, today I'm feeling very forgiven. <laughs> you just don't have anybody to do that. They don't seem to do it. When you feel guilty, it actually draws you away from God, and that's the last thing God wants. Truth number one, truth number one, that's what you really need to fill out in number one there. God wants to forgive me. God wants to forgive. These four things, this, the knowledge of these four things is going to change the way you feel. It's going to change the way you feel. God wants to forgive me. Look at the first point. Can we get these lights on? Look at the first point. Look at the first verse there. Nehemiah chapter 9 verse 17. Just let's stare at that verse for a bit. You are a God of forgiveness. Always ready to pardon. Gracious and... Can everybody hear me, hear me to the end? You can? Because I can't hear myself. So I, I'm turning to uh, scream. So don't, I'll try and speak softer. If I start yelling, just do this. I don't know. You're a God of forgiveness, always ready to forgive, always ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, slow to become angry, full of love and mercy. Full of love and mercy. Circle the word always ready. Always, are you always ready to forgive? No, you're not always ready to forgive. That's because you're not God. That's because you're not God. But God, obviously, there's something about God that it, he's always in a position, always ready to forgive. If you finish writing, look at me. I asked the question while I was preparing, why is God always ready to forgive? Why is he always ready? And the reason he's always ready is because he's not handcuffed. He doesn't have shackles on his feet. He's got nothing binding him. He's not working on any resentment. He's not keeping charges charge sheets against people. He's not calculating. He has not spent his day thinking about how horrible his life is and how better it would have been if so-and-so hadn't said this or that one hadn't done that or that one had just behaved herself. He hasn't spent the day thinking about how difficult life is. We do that. So when it suddenly time comes for us to forgive, we're not ready. We're not, we're not carrying forgiveness. We're not ready. That's not our character. That's not in our, and that's not the point. The point is, don't go there. We're talking about God. God is a person who's always ready to forgive, which means you can go to him at any time. I love that about God. I love that about Christ. He is always ready to forgive. You are a God of forgiveness. Always ready. He's always ready to forgive. God is not reluctant. He's not thinking twice. He doesn't need a moment. Please contact my secretary so that she'll let me know and I'll have some time to sort of brace myself, prepare my thoughts before I see your face. That sounds like me. But that's not God. Micah chapter 7 verse 18. You do 
not stay angry forever, but say that say, say that say it louder. Oh, that's not a fact. Delight is not a fact. Delight is a feeling. Delight is a feeling. Delight is an emotion. Delight is an ex emotional experience. He says he delights in what? Showing mercy. It's something that brings him joy. He actually enjoys forgiving you. All right, God, you're here. What is going on here? But if you begin to get this, if it sinks in, if you begin to live in the air of his mercy, you realize that no matter how big your lungs are, you can always take in as much as you need. I delight. He says, I delight. That's the God you worship. That's how God feels about you. It's going to radically change the way you think about God when you understand the way God thinks about you. That's how God chooses to believe to, to forgive you. He wants to forgive you. He delights in forgiving you. He's always ready to forgive you. Truth number two. Truth number two. God freely forgives. God freely forgives. Uh, Romans chapter 3, verse 23 and 24 says, All of us have sinned. We know that. That's old news. Okay? That's that's like uh, you know, Arnold goes on. We already know that. Yet now God declares us not guilty of offending him if we trust in Christ who freely, freely takes away our sin. It doesn't mean it costs nothing. Are you getting me? Are you getting me? Forgiveness and mercy doesn't mean it costs nothing, but it costs you nothing. He gives it to you freely. Why would he do that? Because so much is required. When so much is required, you might as well just pay for the whole thing. When so much is required, you might as well just pay for the whole thing. If you know what I mean. When somebody owes you so much, you're like, totally, it's never going to work. Just let it go. Forget it. Because it's not going to happen. That's what God thinks of us. Just because it's free doesn't mean it costs nothing. That's what the cross of Christ is all about. That's why we preach the cross. That's why we glory in the cross. That's why we talk about the cross. It's not that we are obsessed with death. It's that we are obsessed with God's mercy. As much as anyone would be obsessed with a blank check. Hmm, blank check. That's the cross. When you look at the cross, you're thinking blank check. No matter what, no matter what the debt, God is able to pay. Colossians chapter 1 verse 14 says, In Him we enjoy our freedom. Look at that word. In Him we enjoy. Maybe it's not in your Bible, but it's here. It's the, what version? The New Jerusalem Bible. In Him we enjoy. So there's, there's this whole issue of, what is the previous word? Feeling forgiven. Yeah? And then there's enjoying forgiveness. Enjoying being in the air that, of mercy that we feel as much as we want. Do we really enjoy that? Just think about that for a minute. Are you living in the enjoyment of His, of his forgiveness? Just think about it. Just stop and let yourself go through that process. Because it's part of what it means to be forgiven. It's part of what it means to, to feel forgiven. Listen to me. Think with me. To enjoy his forgiveness means I can stop punishing myself. I don't have to keep punishing myself. I don't have to keep thinking that I don't deserve something, something, something because I have been something, something, something. I, I can stop redefining myself based on how people have treated me, what they have done for me, how things have worked out for me. I can actually enjoy just being free. Just being free. You can stop letting shame and guilt push you into their mold. You can enjoy forgiveness that God has given. Here's what God does when you come to Christ. Shame, guilt, and fear. Those three friends you had in school? Shame, guilt, and fear. And when you leave school and you go to college, you get three new friends. You get peace, grace, and love. You get peace, grace, and love. And those three are replaced by these three. And when you say friends, you mean everything you did in life, you, you processed it with these three friends. 
So everything you thought about, all decisions you made, everything you planned for life, as you dreamt about life, as you considered relationships, as you considered uh, enjoying life today, praising, not praising, you did it in the context of guilt, shame, and fear. Are you with me? You're getting this? Those are the three friends that talked to you while you made decisions. Now you are in the in new company. You are with peace, grace, and love. And everything you say and do and everything you plan now are in the company of these three. And they're going to advise you accordingly. So you recognize that God wants to forgive you. Number two, you recognize that God freely forgives you. Number three, God immediately forgives you. Oh, I just love that about God. Never a moment he says, you don't have to give me some time. I need some time to get over this. I need to think about this. Never, ever, ever, when you go to God, does he ever say, come back in five minutes? Never! The readiness of God is just amazing. The readiness of God to forgive and the willingness and the immediacy of his forgiveness. So if you want to feel forgiveness, if you want to enjoy being forgiven, you have to understand these things about God. Isaiah 55 verse 7 says, God is a merciful God, God is merciful, and quick to forgive. Quick to forgive. I want you to get into the psychosis of God here. Step into the, step in the mind of God. Think with me. Why? Why is God always ready to forgive? What is it? about that sin or that whole situation, which is why God thinks immediately chordo, pay it off, sign it, leave it, chuck it, forget it. Why does God think? There must be something. God's an intelligent person. There must be some reason why he feels there's no point in allowing sin between him and me to persist. There's no point in allowing sin between me and others to persist. He thinks of forgiveness as quick with him and me as me and others. So there must, it's just not about, oh, he's so holy, so wonderful. You know, they're so forgiving. He's just, it's, he's just like that. He's just so nice. No, 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 no. Think, think. God's an intelligent person. So get to the psychosis of why he thinks you shouldn't have this virus in your system. There must be a reason why God says, don't let it even be in your system for three seconds. There must, in his almighty omniscience, in his almighty knowledge, there's got to be a predisposed understanding of what sin can do if it lasts. Are you getting me? Are you getting me? This is not about being nice. There must be a reason why he says, don't keep that virus in your system even for three seconds. It'll do you bad. There's got to be something like that. And I'm thinking, if God says, I don't want to forget, I don't want to keep it, I don't want to forget, uh, I don't want to remember it, I want to let it go. If he's so immediate, this is not just a character thing. This is a wisdom thing. This has to do with relationships. This has to do with future. This has to, this has got some secret to it where if I begin to think, why does he, not just does he, but why does he do that? Why is he not willing to entertain my sin even for a minute? Why does he not pout? Why does he not think about it? Why does he not reconsider my relationship with him? There's got to be a reason. There's got to be a reason. So, God quickly forgives. Recognize what God has done for you. Recognize what God has done for you and enjoy the quickness of God to forgive. If you want to feel forgiven, that's the way to go. So maybe you're asking, Pastor Jerry, does, does that mean that believers should not feel guilty? Because I feel guilty. Does that mean I'm not a believer? And for those of you who are new to that, uh, to that terminology, a believer is someone who has believed or trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So, Am I not a believer? Should I not feel guilty? Should I feel guilty? If I feel guilty, does that mean I'm not a believer? If I'm uh, a believer, should I feel guilty? Yes, the answer is yes. You should feel guilty for 30 seconds. You should feel guilty for one minute, one and a half minutes max. Why? Because guilt is a warning light. Guilt is a warning signal. Guilt is the red light on your dashboard in the car. Guilt is the yellow light. The yellow light is even more dangerous than the red light because the yellow light is the engine. Something's wrong with the engine. But when the red light comes on, your seatbelt is not on. You look at the red light, you mm, and then you put on the seatbelt. The red light comes on, you think, oh, door is open. Ah, oh, close the door. Are you getting that? Are you getting it? Guilt is good. Guilt is an emotion. Guilt tells you you've taken your eyes off the cross. Because if you keep your eyes on the cross, you're not going to feel guilty. 
Guilt tells you that. So all you got to do is, oh, that's why I took my eyes off the cross, because you can't keep your eyes on the cross and keep sinning. So you take your eyes back off, put it back on the cross, boom, done. And as strong as you felt guilt, you will feel forgiven. Do you want to feel forgiven? Do you want to live in the forgiveness of God? Do you want to enjoy the freedom that comes from being and knowing and feeling forgiven? Do you want to live in that atmosphere, in that, in that climate of forgiveness, so that everybody who comes into your life experiences the forgiveness and the mercy of God? Then you've got to understand how this works. You've got to understand how this works. So number one, God wants to forgive me. Number two, God freely forgives me. Number three, he immediately forgives me. And lastly, he completely forgives me. Colossians chapter 2 verse 13 14. God forgave how much sin? Circle that. It's a very important word in the Bible. It appears a lot of times. God forgave all our sin. When did he do this? When you fell on your knees and asked for forgiveness and all that at that time? When did he do this? He did it before the foundations of the earth, the Bible says. Before the foundations of the earth, God forgave your sin. So what he's saying essentially is, in this relationship, sin is not going to last. Sin is not going to define this relationship. You will sin, but sin is not going to last. So he goes to the cross before the foundations of the earth. He plays it out 2007 in, 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 in uh, history. But he goes to the, before the foundations of the earth and makes sure that everything is covered. He signed the blank check before you were born. God completely totally forgives our sin. Micah 7 verse 19. You will have mercy on us again. You will conquer our sins. You will throw away all our sins into the deepest part of the sea. James chapter 2 verse 13. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. That means in all cases, in every situation, mercy wins. Mercy wins. Mercy wins. Mer every battle. Wimbledon, mercy wins. Kotla grounds, mercy wins. Wherever you go, mercy wins. At the end of the game, mercy will win. So it might be a good idea to stop here and go home because I'm forgiven, I feel forgiven and I can live in the mask and saturate in the mercy of God. That would just be great. But you know what? That gets your handcuffs off. That frees you. It frees your arms but your legs are still shackled. There's a second part of forgiveness that you and I need to look at. Please understand this really carefully. God forgives not because you're forgivable, but because he is merciful. You forgive because Are you getting it? You getting it? Let me just say it out loud. Just let me just say it. Okay? I could be wrong because you might be like an angel or something. But let me just say it. So when God forgives me, he forgives me on the basis the measure of his mercy. When I forgive you, I forgive you on the basis of the measure of your sin. How much you hurt me. So when I turn that around and I forgive you on the basis of your sin towards me, but God forgives me on the basis not of my sin but his mercy towards me, that makes me a clown. Remember the guy who went to the king and then he said, I can never, this day, please give me some time. The king said, this is too much for you to bear. And he forgave him the whole thing and he sent him out. This guy goes to his another servant and then he says, you owe me 10 rupees. And he beat him up and he put him in prison. That guy eventually was judged by the king, not because of his sin or his wrong or his debt, but because of his inability to understand that in this rule, in this kingdom, mercy reigns. That's what the king was saying. So the measure is mercy. The measure is not sin. So when God looks at your life, he's not looking at your, your sin. He's looking at his mercy. And the answer is, can my mercy cover your sin? Answer is always mercy wins. Answer is always mercy wins. I love this. I'm going to say it again, although I know I said it before. The mercy seat in the Shekinah glory temple of God, that seat under which there's Aaron's rod and the law, the law is under 
but on top is the mercy seat. God will always prefer. He says he delights in mercy. So we got to understand that it's not just about being forgiven, but forgiving others. Number two, the second truth we're looking at today is mercy means I forgive others. You already know this, but here's the crux. God helps us to forgive people. God helps us to forgive people. If anybody knows how hard it is to forgive, it is God. So the one number one forgiver and the, and the trophy goes to, and the first prize goes to God. Because he knows what it's like to, no one has forgiven more than God has. He corners the market on that one. Okay. Here's the thing. Not just that you have to forgive others, but God will help you to forgive. He gives us strength to forgive. He helps to forgive. One of the reasons I struggle to forgive is because I have not been forgiven. What will I give to you? When I don't have it, what will I give to you? I cannot give you what I don't have. When I'm not forgiven, I can't forgive. Number two is when I don't feel forgiven. When I don't feel forgiven. And if I don't feel forgiven, I'm not going to be able to forgive you. This is why we talk about how you are forgiven and we go back to that topic constantly. Because when I sense that then I'm able to forgive others, share this. Let's look at some urban myths. Let's look at some things that people say and believe in our world today. Five statements. Just answer in your head whether they're true or false. Answer whether the Bible thinks of it as true or false. Number one, a person should not be forgiven until he or she asks for forgiveness. Hmm. Two, you haven't really forgiven until you've forgotten. Because if you still remember it, then you haven't really forgiven. Well, number three, forgiving includes minimizing the offense and the pain it caused. It's okay, it's okay. It's nothing, it's nothing. Don't worry. Don't forget it. It's nothing. No, uh -uh. Number four, forgiveness includes restoring trust and reuniting and acting like as if everything's fine. Number five, when I see someone hurt, it's my duty to forgive the offender. When I see someone hurt, it's my duty to, of, to forgive the offender. The answer to all five is false. They're all false. They're all false. Every single one of them. Let's look at four truths about forgiving others. Number one, number one, forgiveness is not conditional. Forgiveness is not conditional. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32, forgive one another as quickly and as thoroughly as God in Christ has forgiven you. As quickly and as thoroughly as God in Christ has forgiven you. Truth number one is forgiveness is not conditional. So when people, people don't have to earn your forgiveness, you forgiving them has nothing to do with their and the, 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 the depth or the, the vastness of their sin. You forgiving them is about you. Because you have received mercy. Please get this. You're always thinking about how much they have done. But you need to be thinking about how much mercy I have received. So when you have received a lot of, like, let me give you an example. If you just received 100 lakhs, 100 lakhs were given to you. Okay, 100 million rupees were given to you. In that moment, when you go out, and then the poor guy who's selling you five bananas, okay, asks you, says if he can keep the last five rupees. Okay? Are you getting the, the, the proportions here? So you're paying for five, six bananas, and there's a five rupee left over, and you crib about that five rupees. And he's, you've just received a hundred million, or just received a hundred lakh. You've received that, and here you crib about five, and something tells you something is wrong. You just got so much, what is your problem? No, but he, he can't go on with this. He has to learn his lesson. Because you've taken his life, and his relationships, and his learning, and his values, and his future into your hands. And you said, now I must teach this guy. So the mercy that was given to you is not dispensed in the proportion that was given to you. And the rules of, of, uh, of judgment change. That's not okay. Forgiveness is not conditional. It is not conditional. So people do not have to earn your forgiveness. They don't have to earn anything.
anything from you in order for you to forgive them. When it comes to forgiving other people, it's absolutely unconditional. There is no sin, there is no nothing you cannot forgive. I'm saying it again, listen to me. Some of your hearts are saying, no, you don't understand what they did to me. You don't understand how long I was. You don't understand how bad it was. I cannot forgive. Yes, you can. For your sake and for the joy of your life and for your future, yes, you can. Because God is there for you and God can give you the strength. Yes, you can. There is actually nothing that God cannot help you to forgive. Listen to this story from Corey Ten Boom. She writes, I was in a church in Munich. I saw him, a balding, heavyset man in a gray overcoat, a brown felt hat clutched in his hands. People were filing out of the basement room while I had just spoken. It was 1947. I had come from Holland to a defeated Germany with the message that God forgives. And that's when I saw him working his way against the others while everyone was going out and he was coming in. One moment I saw the overcoat and the brown hat and the next I saw the blue uniform and a visor cap and a skull and crossbones. It came back to me with a rush, the huge room at the concentration camp called Ravensbrook with its harsh overhead lights and its pathetic pile of dresses and the shoes in the center of the floor and the shame of walking naked past this man. The man who was making his way forward had been a guard, one of the most cruel guards. And now he was in front of me, his hand thrust out, a fine message, Fräulein. How good it is to know, as you say, that our sins are at the bottom of the sea. And I, who had spoken so glibly of forgiveness, fumbled in my pocketbook rather than take my hand out to shake his. He would not remember me, of course. He could be, how could he remember one prisoner from among thousands of women? But I remembered him, the leather crop swinging from his belt. I was face to face with one of my captors. My blood froze. You mentioned Ravensbrook. In your talk he was saying, I was a guard there. No, he didn't remember me. But since that time, he went on, I have become a Christian. And I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things that I did there. But I'd like to hear it from your lips as well, Fräulein. Again, the hand came out. Will you forgive me? I stood there. I, whose sins had again and again been forgiven, and I couldn't forgive. My sister Betsy had died in that place because he could he erase a slow, terrible death simply for the asking. It couldn't have been more than a few seconds that he stood there, many uh, with his hand held out, but it seemed to me hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I had ever had to do. But I had to do it, I knew it. Not only as a command from God, but as a daily experience. Since the end of the war, I had had a home in Holland of victims for Nazi brutality. Those who were able to forgive their former enemies, they were able to move on with their lives, return to the outside world, rebuild their lives, no matter what their physical scars were. But those who nursed their bitterness remained in bullets. It was as simple and horrible as that. Still I stood there in the coldness and clutching, still I stood there with the coldness clutching my heart. But forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that too. Forgiveness is an act of the will, and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Jesus helped me. I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that. That much I can do. I can shake his hand. Would you supply the feeling? So, woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one that stretched out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started from my shoulder and it raced down my arm. It sprang into our joined hands. Then this healing warmth seemed to flow my flow to seem to flood my whole being bringing tears to my eyes i forgive you brother i cried with all my heart for a long moment we grasped each other's hands the former guard and the former prisoner i have never known god's love so intensely as i did then
no sin that cannot be forgiven. There's nothing that has been done to you that you cannot get past. Forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is unconditional. Forgiveness is not conditional. Number two, forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Paul says in the in the book of Timothy, 2 Timothy 4, 14 through 15, he says, Alexander the metal worker did a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. You too should be on your guard against him because he strongly opposed our message. So here's a guy who's offended Paul. He's offended him and he's talked against him and he's worked against him and he has offended him and it's hard to forgive him. He says, I forgive him. But I don't forget what he has done. Number three, forgiveness is not trusting the person again. You don't have to trust the person against because when someone sins against you, they lose their trust with you. They lose their trust with you. So don't feel that forgiving means you have to trust the same people for the same things again. It becomes very difficult in a marriage, I know. But we have a separate uh, series for that. We'll talk about that too in the future. But forgiveness doesn't mean I trust the person again. Because trust has been lost. So Paul says, he says, be on guard against him. Watch this fellow. Because this is how he acts. This is how he talks. So don't give him responsibilities in the church. Don't let him you know, mix and match with everybody. He has an issue. So you forgive him, but don't trust him. So relationships that are broken, relationships that are hurt, you don't let it stay. You don't let it linger. You don't let it fester. You don't let it infect. But nobody's saying you have to go back and smile and joke and have coffee and dinner with that person and act like everything's okay. Forgiveness is immediate. Trust has to be earned over time. Forgiveness isn't forgetting. And if it's not trusting either, what is forgiveness? Here's the answer. Forgiveness is releasing it to God. Forgiveness is releasing it to God. My brothers and sisters, my friends, revenge doesn't work. <clears throat> Repayment doesn't work. And resentment does not work. Revenge doesn't work, repayment doesn't work, and res resentment does not work. That just brings it more and more back into our life. I want you to understand something. Please look at me, please listen to me with your hearts. Unforgiveness creates an undertow, an undercurrent of emotion in your life that will take you to places you do not want to go. Let me explain. Unforgiveness or resentment will create an undercurrent in your life that will take you to places you do not want to go. You know the ocean? The ocean is millions and millions of gallons of water. Thousands and thousands of animals and uh, fish are in the sea. And fish in that current are able to swim to other parts of the world as the current draws them. That current is so strong that when that water moves in millions of gallons together, there is no way you can swim against it. You swim with it. Unforgiveness, resentment creates an emotional undercurrent in your life. And that undercurrent will sweep you and you can think you're in control and you can think you've got it sorted and you can think you can walk away from it, but it's got you and you're in the current. It's going to take you places you don't want to go. It's going to make you a person you don't want to be. It's going to make you say things you don't want to say. It's not going to make you behave in a way you don't want to behave. It's going to change things in your life you don't want to change. Resentment will eat you up. It has nothing to do with who sinned against you. It has to do with you not willing to let go. Half of the sick, more than half of the sicknesses in this world are because of resentment. But you won't get the connection. There's no connection. Most of the allergies in this world, most of the issues that you have, emotional, physical, psychological, are because there's some stuff you just didn't deal with. Marriages in this world fall apart not because of incompatibility, that's the biggest satanic lie. They fall apart because of the inability to let go. You're not willing to forgive. And not just not willing to forgive, but resentment is when you take on the matter and start thinking and working through it, and you wake up in the morning and go to sleep at night calculating and cataloging and accounting all that was done to you or not done to you, or done for you or not done for you. And your whole life is somebody else's fault. 
and you are responsible for that attitude. You are responsible for that kabza, for that stage, for that. Only you are responsible. Why? Because they sinned against you and they've moved on. And God has lavished you with mercy enough for you to heal and you don't want to. Forgiveness is releasing it to God. What does that mean? It simply means, God, you deal with it. You deal with him, you deal with what was done. I'm not going to carry this baggage. I'm not going to carry this burden. It's not mine. I have freedom from you, mercy from you, and I'm setting everybody free. I want to live free. I want to live free. When you take that route, when you take that pathway, you will see a freedom and a joy from God that nobody can match. No marriage can match, no significant other can match, no good meal can match, no amount of money can match. When you live in such kind of freedom that God... And <laughs> let, me, let me drive this home. You still don't believe what I'm saying. Because the what if is very strong. What if said God is lying? You're not going to say that. You're not going to say God. What is it? No. What you're saying is, as a concept, it's great. As an idealistic, in a utopian life, it's great. But my life is different. My life is not different. Your mother is not different. Your father is not different. Your issues are not different. You are a human made of flesh and bone with a spirit that longs for God and an emotion that's, emotions that long for people. You're no different. It's to say, and God knows you and God loves you. And God is saying that you have to let go. Let go means let go. Let go means let go. And if you let go, what are you going to do? What's going to happen? You're going to fall for a bit. You're going to feel that fall. You're going to feel that. You're going to feel it. But you've got to trust God's word. You're going to feel it until you realize you are only two inches away from the ground. You are not hanging off a deep cliff. You are only two inches away. You're going to have to trust God until you let go. Once you let go, you feel God catch you. He'll use people and he'll use angels and he'll catch you. And only then can you ever talk about the mercy of God with any real... Uh, Authenticity, incredibility. If you don't let go, here's what's going to happen. You start to become the person you won't forgive. And you can see this happening again and again. Unforgiveness is like that in your life. It will take you places you don't want to go, make you a person you don't. Listen to me very carefully. When you hold on to hurt, when you hold on to hurt, that hurt becomes a hate. It won't be long before you say, I'm hurt. It won't be long before you begin to say, I hate you. So you release it to God instead of saying, I'm going to take revenge of you and say, I'm going to think about this, I'm going to work on it, I'm going to uh, make sure it doesn't happen again. Oh, like you can help it. Instead of you saying, I'm going to be the judge, you say, God, it's in your hands. <laughs> they are worse off in your hands than in mine. When you forgive, when you feel like that, it sets you free. It sets you free. And the simple truth is, forgiveness is not something you do, it's something God has already done. Let me explain. When you give CPR to somebody, you think you're giving them life, but you're giving air that is not yours, you breathe that. And you can only give CPR to somebody with the air that you have already breathed. So you breathe in that air, you breathe out that air, you breathe in that air, you breathe out that air, you're breathing out the air that you breathe in. So when you say, I can't forgive, you're also kind of saying, I can't be forgiven. And who the heck are you to decide that? Colossians chapter 3 verse 13 says, remember the Lord forgave you, you must forgive others. It's like the air we breathe. I want to add, let me take two more minutes. I want to add something to this whole thing that is just from me and from my heart. A lot of people, got young, young people, kids, a lot of you have not had somebody hurt you badly. You're not, you're not dealing with any issues. You're not, you don't have a life behind you of pain and hurt and words and, and, and betrayal. Maybe you don't have all of that. And you can't 
cite a certain situation or a personal relationship, I need to forgive this person. Some of you will be able to do that. You have a name right now, you have some names right now. You say, I need to let go of this person, I need to forgive this person. But a lot of the time, speaking to a lot of you, because you're good people and you've been, you've been protected and you've been coming from good families and life's been good. For the most part, you don't know what this is all about. But let me add a few more things. There are three Ds that you might want to write down. Three Ds. And because of these three Ds, you too need to also forgive. You too need to forgive. The first D is disempowerment. Disempowerment. Just find some space somewhere else and just write it down or write it on your hand. Many of you are growing up in great families, but you have an older brother or an older sister or a mother or a father or a, or, a, or a teacher or a cousin or a classmate or someone who disempowers you. And because they disempower you, they make you leak your confidence, leak your, 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 your strength, your wisdom, whatever, and you are not able to, to operate or perform as well. And you're secretly blaming them for your incompetence. You're secretly, now you can't go and say, this is the person and this is the issue and I need to forgive them. You can't quite nail it. But you know there's resentment and there's resentment because I, I, I always get put down. I always get, I live in a home where my older brother always does better than me or my older sister always does better than me. And there's always competition. I, I'm, I'm disempowered. Are you getting me? Are you getting me? There's a situation where you can't quite, but life has just been that way for you. So what? You're resentful. You can't blame any particular person. It's worse no? when you can't nail a person. You can't. Blame, you don't know who to blame for that. So you blame, of course, God because it's, everything is God's fault. Number two, the second D is denial. Is denial. Somebody, something was denied you. As you were growing up, my friends had this, but I didn't have this. As I was growing up, and God, God denied me height. God denied me width. God denied me. Yeah, money God denied me, opportunities God denied me, brain God denied me, good friends, good looks, God denied me this, God denied me that, my dad denied me this, my brother denied me that. If somebody or other denied you and you were denied while you see others have, you don't have the haves and the have-nots. But who do you blame? You can't blame anybody. And you can't blame God either because he's too far away. But there's resentment. Have you, some of you think this new generation, why are they so unhappy? Why are they so, they look like they've been sucking a melon? A lemon, sorry. And, and, and you, you wonder why, what, they've got everything. And you find the older generation, they have everything. We never had any of it. Everybody has been there. Okay, anyway. We, they have everything. We had nothing. We had lamp light and street light and uh, no electricity and we became, you know, the, the, the champions and we topped IIT and all that. But there's resentment. And you wonder why this next and every next generation looks sadder and sadder <laughs> and needs a higher and higher high. And the third D is disappointment. Disappointment. You're sick and tired of people disappointing you all the time. This is a very low level of frustration. You know, the high level of frustration is like uh, people hurt you, they abandoned you, or they divorced you, or they, those are major hurts, pains that we need the grace of God to help us with. Yes, but the disappointment part is small doses of poison. Where over the years, People are just disappointed and disappointed. My, my mother is disappointed, my father is disappointed, my daughter is disappointed, my friends. They, why can't they look like that? Why do they have to be like that? Why can't they change? Why not? And you, you think you're living with it. You know, you think you're, you're exercising patience and, and, uh, and you're living with these people who are constantly disappointing you. Let me tell you this. You can't nail anybody, you can't blame anybody, but you are definitely building resentment. Because you think, your expectations are not being three Ds. Number one, disempower, design, and disappointment. My point this morning, what God brought to me, this is not my sermon, this is Pastor Rick's sermon and Pastor Tom Holliday's sermon. This is great material and I'm giving it to you. But the part that God really spoke to me about was the three Ds and the measure of mercy. It is according to mercy. I must forgive. And that is not possible unless I dwell on mercy. Are you with me? 
When you dwell on what people have done for you, you will respond accordingly. When you dwell on what God has done for you and God's mercy, you will respond accordingly. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you have some business to deal with God. You have nowhere to go already. If you go out, you have to go back to those same people. So you take a moment to be with God. You take a moment to name the names or name the resentment. You take a moment to say, Lord, it stays here. It, it, it stays here. I'm not going to go any further. It stays here. so long also my fingers are gone they've gotten into this thing I'm holding on it's become part of my life it's become part of who I am I need your help I need your strength I don't know how you forgive me but you have to help me forgive others I'm sick and tired of being unhappy. I'm sick and tired of living my life like as if my happiness depends on what other people do for me. Something has to change. I need courage to let go. I need to hear your voice afresh. Tell me, let go, and I will. I want to hear you say it, Lord. I want, I want to feel your, your embrace. I want to fall, free fall into your hands. I want to experience what pastor is talking about. Give me the strength. I need it. I want to be free. Tired of this resentment. Oh God. I beseech you for an outpouring of your grace, your mercy, and your love in this place. I, I beseech you for an outpouring of power and empowerment to accomplish the work you've asked us to do. You've asked us to do the hardest thing on the earth, and that is to forgive others. Lord, only you can give us that. Thank you for your mercy, but also thank you for the secret to a free life. The secret to joy and to hope. Father God, let it be true of everyone here. Somebody you just brought here today because they don't normally come to our church, but they are here today. And you brought them here because you love them so much that you want them to hear this. Today they came for you. They came for themselves. They came to hear this. They came for freedom. I thank you for that. Do a deep work in our lives, I pray. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the Father, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, rest and abide with each and every one of us through this week and even forevermore.